what up, what up? Once again, it's your favorite podcast, Three Brothers No Sense. I am Tavares Ferguson. I'm joined with my co-host, Buff and Rozzy. Bella, tell them what's on your mind. What's up, man? Yo, one thing I wanted to talk about real quick. I don't know if you guys have seen The Watchmen on HBO. Um, I just started the first two episodes last night, and I'll just kind of give you guys the opening scene is the 1941 Tulsa race massacre. That's the opening scene of the Watchmen. And I mean, it goes on from there. It it changes how Tulsa, Oklahoma is today. Um, it's set in the Watchmen uh, like universe. If you guys watch the movie uh, or read the comics before, um, it, it's a very different take on what's happening in the world. Uh, it's a truly a comic book uh, environment, but it's really grounded and down to earth. And it's basically, you know, the cops have started putting masks over their face to hide it because they had what they call the white knight where the KKK basically went in and shot and killed all the police officers um, in the city. And so like 40 police officers died that night. And then it goes on from there. So now cops uh, cover their face. And if you remember Rorschach from the Watchmen, he has kind of copycat folks now that are like still trying to uh, kill the police and everything like that. And so it's dealing with race and interplay between it's not necessarily white and black, but these two different factions that mirror real life today. Uh, it's it's so good, man. The first two episodes, I'll keep you guys updated on it. But if you haven't watched it, if you got HBO, I mean, it's it's going to be a good series, man. They did Watchmen correctly. Uh, if you didn't like Watchmen, the movie, uh, this will kind of bring you back to actually liking the Watchmen. Well, that's getting a lot of flack right now because there's a lot of people out there that are saying it's too political. Mm-hmm. Especially with everything that's going on. The Watchmen has always kind of been a political comic. You know, yeah. they've always kind of had that 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 stigma behind it. So I've watched the first episode. I haven't watched the second one. As usual, it's a it's a different take on comics. Like Watchmen is not your typical X Men, Avengers, DC. Well, even though the Watchmen is part of DC, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah DC universe uh, that you're used to. So it's definitely a good show. Good, uh, good watch. Um, I think Buff, your crush, Regina King. Did you just add her to your list? Wasn't that one of you guys that added Regina King to your list? <laughs> is, that, is that Regina King? It might King? have been. It might have been Rosie that added it. Oh. So I saw somebody add Regina King to their list. But uh Buff, what's on your mind, man? So I haven't watched the Watchmen yet, but I plan on watching it. Even though I don't have HBO, I'll find a way to uh pull it up on my sources. But uh <laughs> I just want to say I know it feels like we're always thanking you guys, but it's because we really owe it to you all. Last week, we made a post on domestic violence, and we think it went viral. We don't know the the exact number it takes for to call something viral, but we it reached over 23,000 people, and we just want to thank you guys for getting such a great message out there to the masses. We hope it uh, made some people reevaluate domestic violence and really want to be more proactive in trying to prevent it if they can. So, we thank you guys for that. We hit another milestone on follows. Uh, so we're just really moving along and we couldn't do it without you guys. So we just really, really appreciate you all. Well, I'm going to echo that sentiment. Um, don't have much to say on that. Uh, I'm just happy to be here. 
that's that's me right now. I'm happy to be a part of this. I'm happy that we're having the success that we had had so far and hope to have continued success. It's a pleasure talking to you guys every week. It's a way to reconnect. It's a chance for me to unwind and get things off my chest and off my mind. So I enjoy it, man. And since Buff has been promoting, uh, who have you been promoting all day, man? Get your, get your promotion in. What are you sipping? Oh, do say a little do say right now. Since we're promoting do say, let's go ahead and pay some bills with something else. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back. Three brothers, no sense. It's my favorite part of the show for your favorite podcast, Question Time. So, fellas, I've been really trying to figure out what I wanted to ask this week. I have a couple of questions, but I think some some of my questions have been uh, maybe too little too deep. So I'm going to lighten it up. I guess lighten it up a little bit. And also, this is for this is for help for me. So um, I think we mentioned it a couple of times, but we never went deep into it. So for you all that do not know me, I am part of the uh, Houston Omega Lamplighters. Uh, it's a mentoring organization started in Tallahassee by members of the Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. And I was one of those lucky gentlemen to be able to bring it to Houston. And so I started looking at myself because I, uh, we had a workshop last week talking about brand building. And when people describe me, the you know, mentor and all this stuff, I realized that for a lot of people, they come to me with questions and problems and look for insight and look at me as a somewhat of a mentor and in on a formal setting and in a formal setting. And I always tell people they should seek mentorship. And what I realize is I do not practice what I preach. So I'm 38 years old. I think I've been fairly successful in my life and in my endeavors, but I'm getting to the point where I'm looking for more or what's next or what I should be looking for next and realize I do not have a mentor. And so my question to you guys is how do you feel about mentorship? Uh, You guys mentoring, do you mentor anybody or see yourself as a mentor? Do you currently have a mentor, a mentor of mentors and how did you find them? And what were you looking for when you uh, find them? If you don't, you know, I challenge you to find one as well. And what do you think you need to get from that? So that's a lot of questions, but it's just mentorship in a, in a nutshell. So who wants to take that? Maybe you guys can help me out. So um, as far as do I mentor people? Um, so at my job, we have what they call the Senate pages. And there are high school kids that do like a semester of school on Capitol Hill. And every once in a while, we have a... a a kid or two that ask questions about certain things. And I definitely try to give them the best advice I can. But as far as on an official level, like you're doing third, I'm not in that position where I do it officially. And as far as having a mentor, 
again, I don't have like a designated person that I go to for everything, but I would say my uncle that lives up here, Uncle Willie Smiley, uh, retired from uh, U.S. Customs. He's someone that I really look to. He's a very spiritual guy, very knowledgeable guy. So I ask him a lot of questions on just like adulthood, especially, you know, when I was first buying my house and stuff. So on adulthood, advice on different things. Also, you guys, man, like I think sometimes when we think of a mentor, we think of somebody that's at least 10 or 15 years older than you. Your mentor can be your peer. And so Orazio knows, I know we've mentioned before, we used to joke about, you know, who had the biggest salary out of us. But during those conversations, a lot of times I would ask him financial questions, investment questions, uh, which stock should I be looking at? So um, a mentor can be, you don't necessarily have to have a designated person like that's my mentor. But if you have a group of friends that are good in one area and a group of friends that are good in another area, then definitely pick their brains on those different subjects. And that's what I do with you guys and my uncle to uh, make my answer short and sweet, if you will. Yeah, Byron, that's, that's kind of the same thing I was going to say is at, at my company, our, we have an official mentoring program uh, and I'm a mentor there. So I have three mentees uh, that I help out that are, you know, um, just starting out earlier in their careers, that type of thing. Um, and so I help them. And then I have a lot of friends that are, you know, my 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 neos, 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 like the young neos in the frat uh, kind of look to me a lot of times, like Byron said, for like financial advice, business advice, things like that. So I help mentor them as well uh, and just kind of help them navigate um, corporate America and learn how to how to navigate, how to get to those higher paid and higher graded positions and that type of thing. So that's mainly what I concentrate on with mentorship is how to navigate corporate America. Um, and then as far as me finding a mentor, I'm, I, I don't have a mentor and, and I've actively looked for a mentor. I, again, the, our company's kind of formal mentorship program. I've had a couple of mentors there, but what ends up happening is we just kind of fall off because it's not, I think it's a little too stilted and too, it, it doesn't happen naturally when we find a mentor through this official, Oh, I want you to mentor me. We'll have a couple of meetings and, you know, with our official mentorship program, it's like scripted to where, Hey, your first meeting, you guys should discuss this. And then the next meeting you should discuss this. Uh, and, and so I think what ends up happening is I don't get that true bond that you really need with a mentor. And I, I don't get a chance to build that trust um, that you really need to be able to ask the real questions. And, and, and truthfully, the, the mentorship that I really need, it's very difficult to find. I'm, I'm in a upper middle, lower, uh, high end of kind of the pay grade uh, or, you know, maturity. Pause for a second. You said upper middle, lower, <laughs> upper middle, lower, lower. high end. So. <laughs> He, he he covered all the he covered all the categories. Yeah, you know, yeah. I like, you know, I like you know, a skinny short tall girl. <laughs> kind of thick, you know, like, you know. You know how no, I like No, no, but you know, I'm I'm at the point now, you know, I'm a, I'm a a vice president of the organization and it's it's few and far between to find a mentor like Byron said that's higher leveled that can help me navigate now I'm more into a political navigation than I am trying to prove myself on a technical side. Right. And so 
not only do you need a mentor, but you need a sponsor, right? Somebody that's going to actually go and promote you. Somebody that's going to, when all these executives are in the room and they're like, hey, who's our next senior vice president? Who's our next pick for this position? Um, they're bringing your name up. Uh, so that's that's the part that is hard to find. Uh, and, and there's a long line of people that's for the you know seven, eight people in my organization that can really help me. Now, I do have friends that, that are outside of the organization that maybe be able to kind of help me a little bit and give me advice on how to navigate, how to find somebody uh, that may be able to be that sponsor for me and that, that outspoken proponent. But it's still very difficult. Uh, and, and so, no, I don't have one. I'm looking actively looking and searching. So if I, if anybody wants to just take us under the wing, I'm happy to, <laughs> to take that advice. Um, that's another reason why I kind of joined that Alabama leadership initiative. Cause I hope that what I'll find in there is somebody that can start helping me navigate to even higher levels uh, than where I'm at now. Definitely. Definitely. Thank both of you guys for sharing. I mean, I think it's hard. I mean, a lot of times, a lot of, one thing we talked about a lot was our, our career, you know, for especially men, we put a lot of onus and pride on our career and our upper upper progression in our careers. And a lot of people think of mentorship and they kind of stop there. You know, um, I'm in sales. I've been in sales for God knows how long. And throughout my time in sales, I've had several different mentors and I've been toward others career wise. And I get it what you're saying, Rise, if there's not that that bond is kind of hard to ask the right questions or be truthful. But I think for me, and maybe I'm looking at it too holistically, I'm trying to take my career out of it because I think I'm more than my career. Um, And it's just like, and I don't want to say life coach, but like almost somebody who can mentor me on life. But I think for me, I'm I'm probably looking for one person and that might be my issue is I'm looking for that one person that can just, okay, I can talk to this guy about marriage, finances, including career, a career progression and stuff like that. What are the next moves? So, you know, when I look at it, that's, that's, that's the thing, but the problem is I can't find one. And I think maybe because maybe I need to lower my standards on it because you guys said it. We do have conversations. I do. And I don't want to downplay any advice any of you have ever given me. Rizzi, I've come to you for the last 20 plus years on advice on finances and stuff like that. Byron, you've been married. You know, like I seek your your advice on just marriage and being able to keep a happy home. Like I look up to you guys. Even sometimes you don't even have to say stuff, you know, mentorship and your brand is you, 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 you lead by example. So I just I pay attention. Like, you know, even we were talking a few weeks ago about you and Tab, like I paid attention to, I feel like you're one of the people I always see that at the end of the day, he puts his wife first. Like, I don't have to agree with it, but if it's going to be a problem in my household, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm, I'm going to make it up. I make, I make that happen. So I definitely took that from you guys and I put it in my life, but it's like for me, finances. So for you guys that don't know me, I come from very humble beginnings, Mobile, Alabama. God, I was blessed to graduate from college and get good jobs out of college or decent jobs out of college. And I struggle financially. I remember at one point I had a credit score that is just, it's, it was embarrassing, probably one of the most embarrassing moments of my life when I had to um, say my actual credit score in front of my wife and hell I'll say it now. Cause I'm, I'm in the 800s across the board now, but I, in 2010, 
I had a credit score. My wife and I, Sabrina, where we were moving into our first apartment. And when I say this woman had my back, she stood behind me every step of the way. We're trying to get one of those 99, 99 moving special apartments. And it's like no credit, no, no problem. You know, bad credit, no problem. I had a problem. <laughs> I had a, I had a, so I had checked my credit score the day before and I'm like, oh, I'm full. And they're like, uh, sir, what's your, your credit score? I'm like, um, high fours. I had a 476. <laughs> good God. Good, good God. You know, I grew up with it's like credit, you know, your idea, my idea of credit was your your credit is good until it's bad. So it starts off decent. And over time, it's eventually going to get bad because that's just what credit does. So I really didn't understand that. And so Rosie's definitely over the years kicked me in the ass a couple of times uh, to get my life together financially. You know, I've come to him probably too many times, you know, asking for help, you know, or assistance or advice, not following advice. And I come back and ask the same questions, you know, but eventually I got it. So I don't take that for granted. But I think what a mentor is somebody that kind of you, you know, for a fact that you are, you are, this is what they provide for you. You know, like one of the things I'm looking for now probably is a financial mentor on, hey, your personal finances, your business finance, like what are you going to do? You know, what are you doing to create extra income? You know, yes, you need to create a a balanced portfolio. You know, you want to do these things, but Go start a business, like do this, 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 and this, you know, what do you have? What kind of residual income do you have? Like, are you trying to flip, like you have the, the income that you need to be maybe looking into real estate, whatever those cases that maybe not giving me the answers, but things I need to be really thinking about and holding me accountable the same way. Like I hold my, my mentees accountable the same way with your mentoring program at your job. Like it's a checklist of these are things we need to be talking about, you know, not just when I come ask you for advice, it's like, okay, Fur, you asked me about this, 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 what have you done so far? Like, Raz would give me advice, but he would never really like, okay, we talked about getting your credit together. Where are you at? Mm-hmm. Six months later, you know, it was just like, you were there for when I needed me or needed you, but it was that accountability. That account, I think that's part of being a mentor is like, I'm vested into you, that accountability. Because at work, you know, when your mentors look, mentees look good, you look good. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was with um, the car company, car rental company, I mentored a lot and I got mentored. So people were looking to mentor me because as I got promoted, they looked good. And eventually their goal was for me to come work for them under their umbrella because they like, OK, I kind of help mold this guy. I know what he's about. And the more success he has, I can uh, hitch myself to this wagon. So um, I'm saying a lot about mentors. I mean, any input on that, fellas? Well, just like we said, you can outgrow a relationship with a friend. I think we talked about it a couple episodes ago. I think you also, you can also like learn more than your original mentor. So whatever you go to a mentor on, it's possible that you can get to a level to where you need a better mentor. And I think that's kind of what you were talking about. So I just let people know that you don't have to stick with the same mentor for life. Yeah. And like, what was it say, Rosie? No, I was just going to agree uh, with that and saying, you know, it's it's one of those things that 
I think a lot of times we go to mentors and we want the answer. We want them to give us the answer. And the best mentors don't give you the answers. What they give you, like you said, is they give you thought provoking questions to make you find your answer or you come to what's best for you because, you know, your mentor isn't sitting in your place. Like they can't tell you, Hey, you need to go do real estate or, Hey, you need to go do this other thing. Um, what they're doing is making you think through and questioning, okay, if you want to do that, have you thought about the risks? Have you thought about all the angles on that? Have you thought about this? Are you comfortable? Oh, I know that, if you go down that road, you're going to run into this issue. Are you prepared for it? And things that's the mentorship that I'm looking for. I'm not necessarily giving me the answer. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I think a lot of people go walk into mentorship programs and not even a lot. My first time going into a mentorship program where I was in that formal mentorship and I asked my mentor, I was like, what do you think is next for me? What do you think is the best job for me? And the mentor was just like, I, I don't, I don't know. That's not my call to make. <laughs> you know, yeah. what, what are you interested in? Like, where do you want to go? I can maybe get you in front of a hiring manager or maybe, like I said, be that proponent for you. Uh, but I can't tell you what your next step is. I can't tell you where yeah. you're supposed to go. I might be able to help you get there. So once you decide what you want to do, you know, I can start working with you on creating plans and stuff like that or sponsorship. You said something like that, like, hey, a lot of people don't need like, hey, I have a mentor, but my mentor can't help me get to that next level because I need somebody else to be my advocate. And maybe your mentor is telling you like, hey, I can help. I can give you all the stuff you need mentally, but you're going to have to go out there and work and put in the effort. You have to build an advocate, like giving you things that you may not think about and may not consider. So the first time I really realized I, I was lacking mentorship. Um, and I think I've talked to you guys about this before is when I was, when I wanted to get married and I'm like, man, cause for you guys that do not know me, I was like the anti-marriage guy. I was like, so it's divorced 50% of the time and she had half. I don't like those odds, man. And so I was anti-marriage. So when I decided to get married uh, to my beautiful wife, Sabrina, best thing that ever happened to me, wouldn't change it for the world. Baby, you're awesome. Uh, like, I was like, what do I need to know? What do I need? And I'm like, I can't really think of in my whole life, maybe f- between three to five successfully married couples who have been doing this for a while, like for Oh, Byron, I like you got to the point where like you were on that list. Like I'm like when I go back, it was like I have one one on an uncle on my mom's side, one uncle on my dad's side. Uh, Rise your parents, Byron and Tab and one other uh, thing, uh, family in my church. Oh. That that that's how far I had to go. Like I, I had to and I'm like, man, I but I still didn't want to like go. I talked to a few people it was like there's there's not people I can go to and just talk about being married or what it takes to be married for 10, 15, 20, 30 years. And that's scary. You know, like, hey, now that I'm at a certain financial level, who can I go talk to? And I think you said it best, Byron. Sometimes, you know, our mentors can be somebody our age, but a lot of times we just don't look at them because it's, yeah, I know you're here now, but I'm trying to get to that next level. Like, what is this like 10 years from now? Um, and maybe I should lose that thought process. Like maybe because this person is where I want to be or is on the trajectory to go where I want to be. He might be two steps ahead of me. He might not be where I want to go, but he's two steps ahead of me. So maybe he should be the person I'm following behind or uh, hitching my wagon to because 
I know he has this portfolio and this is what he's done in the last five years. So if I do this the next five years, I should be at least there in five years from now, he should be at a whole nother level or she should be at a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, don't, don't shoot for the moon with a mentor when, you know, you still tying on your shoes. Like you, you, you need to find someone that, like you said, is, is a couple steps, few steps ahead of you that can kind of pull you with them as they go, as they grow. Um, because, you know, everybody is trying to get Oprah to, you know, mentor them. But the problem is, you know, yeah. everybody, Oprah can't mentor everybody. So you have to find somebody that is one accessible. But, you know, when you you listed off those folks, the thing is, you have a large network to be able to pull from. Uh, and it and took so a, it I, took a lot to come up with that list. It yeah. took it, it took but, years. It was like I'm saying that now I've been married for seven years. But when I when I was thinking about it, it's like, man, I don't know about it. Like I put. I put people on a list after I got married. I was like, right. you know what? I think I had went to your house for Christmas. I'm like, I don't know why I didn't think Rosie, mom and dad, because believe it or not, I, that stuck with me. Some of the stuff you guys said that weekend stuck with me because there's not a lot of people I can. And it's a difference in getting an advice and having a mentor to me. Right. You know? Yeah. So, well, fellas, I mean, it seems like we, we share a lot of ideas, similarities on the mentorship and, um, uh, Buff, you said you are you gonna go out and find a mentor? Are you cool where you at right now? Uh, I'm not gonna say I'm cool. I don't want to sound like I'm just content. I'm definitely not cool, well, Matt. But you know, as I definitely try to progress, especially with the investing, uh, with like stocks and stuff. I talked to Razio a little bit about that and some coworkers. So I'm always looking. It just depends on what idea. I, I have a couple of business ideas that I'm gonna try to implement, and I have some people that are already in it. So I'll be picking their brain on that. So I'm definitely always looking for mentors on certain areas, man. Razi, what's your next step? Yeah, man. Like I said, I'm always open. Um, I I do think I need to be more active and trying to look for somebody um, that can guide me in the right. And and I know you were saying kind of outside of work, but the thing about it is, you know, I'm lucky enough. I still have my dad to kind of go talk to about relationships and, and being married and all of that. So, I, I mean, I guess I could count him as a mentor in, in that. Um, oh, and I did uh, apologize to him. I just want to let you know, I talked to him the other day and I apologized about um, that whole saying, I wish he was back in the hospital thing. Um, so that's, yeah. that's kind of yeah. taken care of, but, so, but yeah, I, I, I still have him, but so I, I really don't, I'm not looking for a mentor in that because I, I have that uh, in my dad. And so really the, the, the gap that I need a mentor in is that part. And truthfully, anybody who is in fashion, owns a clothing brand, anything like that, I definitely need a mentor in that because, you know, we're trying to grow that. So I, I, I don't think there's going to be a, a single mentor for me. Um, because uh, it's so different for the things that I need. So I, what I look for, I look for a mentor that can fill those gaps uh, of information and knowledge and everything. So, Ryan, so are you opening chips or something? Rise is so smart; it's hard for him to find a mentor. Is basically yeah. what he's saying. Yeah, that's what it is. Another flex. <laughs> yeah. Another flex. Like, yeah, for me, I look for gaps too, dude. You know, like, it's. Like relationship wise, I think I'm, we're at a good point. Um, my wife and I have a lot of over dialogue. She's she's 
she's very open, uh, receiving. Uh, I couldn't really ask for a better partner. So I just try to make sure, and we talk a lot and try to make sure that we, I guess we mentor each other in that in, in a certain respect, but you know, like finances, you know, I think I got my personal finances for, to a certain extent in order, but now it's, to me, it's investing and then having other business ventures. So just trying to find that next thing, like, Hey, um, invest, you know, you just started getting a stock portfolio, which I don't have, and then start investing in, you know, getting you a business plan or something like that, where you can start making some residual income and stuff like that. Um, and looking for that, I think that's my, my major gap that I'm focused on right now. And then hopefully later on, I'll start adding on. So anybody out there looking to mentor or has had success in getting a mentor, please reach out and comment and tell us what you did or have done in the past to find mentorship. Um, I think you said some very profound rise. We have to be proactive in doing it. So um, I, unfortunately, no mentors just fell in my lap or maybe I'm overlooking them. So uh, that's probably what it is. A lot of times, I mean, you know, we're oblivious to it. There's somebody who has been mentoring us and we don't even know it. And, and, and truthfully, that's your best mentors. The ones that, you know, they're giving you those thoughts and ideas and, and, and guiding you and you don't even know it. it and so uh, I think there's probably a lot more of those out there than, than we think. So uh, appreciate those folks in your life that are, that's doing it and mentoring you. And you don't even know that they're mentoring you. So message. But, but Ferg, um, it, that was a perfect segue actually into my question. Uh, if Byron, if you don't mind me going next, um, Go is proceed. You you were talking about investing and and opening businesses and expanding kind of your portfolio and that type of thing. Um, and so my question really was about retirement. Um, what do you guys want to do in retirement? Um, cause we're, we're at this point now we're at this tipping point, right? We should really start planning towards that. We're coming up, knocking on 40. Um, you know, we got maybe 20 years left, uh, 25, if you're trying to go long with it. And so now we're on the downhill of trying to think about what we're going to do for retirement. So what are your plans in retirement? Do you have any plans in retirement and are you on track to do that? And what are you doing to kind of be on track? You want to go first, Byron, or you want me to go, or how do you want to do this? My plans are to eat um, is to eat egg whites, fruit, and turkey sausage on the balcony of a Miami condo overlooking Biscayne Bay. Uh, I try and do that pretty much every morning, and do a lot of traveling, play with grandkids and stuff. So, am um, I on track to do that? Kind of. It just depends on if I can find a. Uh, it depends on for what my current house sells for. That's going to be a major thing. And, um, you know, what I can find down there in the 305. And if I can convince the missus to move down there because she has agreed to move to Florida. She's not that sure on uh, Miami. So got a lot of working out to do. And she also cares where Jasmine is. So she doesn't want to be too far from her. But that's pretty much what I want to do, man. I, I still plan on working, but I don't want to be in a position where I have to work. So I kind of wanted to be like just something to keep me busy doing something I love. Like right now, while I do, I really like my job. You know, uh, if I could stay home every day, I, I definitely would prefer that. So I'm just trying to be in a, a position where I don't have to work, where I can leave something for Jasmine, pass down to her, and really not have to worry about 
uh, the cost. I think I'm on track. I definitely, I went to a retirement seminar that my job hosted like a few months ago. Matter of fact, I reached out to you, Rizy, and, and talked to you about some of the numbers they went over and stuff and what I will be looking at in retirement. So I think I'm on track, but I also feel like I can do better as well. So I'm looking at some of the spending that I'm doing presently and seeing where I can cut back and some big purchases that I wanted to make. I'm kind of rethinking like I wanted an old school 75 Caprice that I wanted to candy paint and put some 15s on it. So it sounded like some gorillas in the trunk. But I may not do that. I may not do that because it's about the big picture, man. And I but eight ball and MJG said you should have that. <laughs> <laughs> they did, man. <laughs> and you know, we always say how you're in Birmingham, Ravi, Ferg, you in Texas. A lot of our friends are in Mobile. We're all spread out, and I definitely would like to spend a lot of my retirement years, you know, seeing you guys, spending time with you guys, getting to know your kids, your family our families because we really do look at our group of friends as a family. Like when we come home for Thanksgiving, like it's a priority that we all see one another. So just things like that, man. Um, I'm babbling right now. So I'm going to see what Ferg and what you have to say. And if I have anything else to add, I'll definitely add to it. But those are some of the things I'm looking forward to doing, man. Um, very similar goals. Like I want to be able to travel, um, spend time with my family. I don't ever see myself just not working or con- contributing to some kind of cause. Um, in the grand scheme of things, I would love to retire from whatever I'm doing and be able to consult. Um, I think that's that's always a great option where, you know, you kind of work, run your own business. and You're consulting and paid for that. I don't know what that would look like. I don't know what where I'm going to be by that time or what my my knack will be where I'm. Um, I can get paid to consult. But the thing about it is un- unlike you, Byron, and probably unlike you, Rizy, I don't think I'm on track. I got a, I feel like I got a late start and I've had to make some uh, some sacrifices and, you know, done, done some things with the money that I, I had saved for retirement at one point in time. I've still, I have money in there now, but definitely to have a late start and then to have to use money has put me behind the ball. And that's, I think that's another reason Somebody having a financial, not a financial advisor, having a uh, a mentor is huge for me because I feel like, hey, I need somebody to help me get back on track or get ahead of the game or play catch up. Um, but at the same time, I might not be as far off as I think I am. But once again, because I don't come from that financial background, I really don't know. And we've had this conversation a couple of times, Rizzi, Um And a lot of times it's I'm on track, but then later on it's in one ear, out the other. And like understanding where I'm supposed to be again. So for me, I mean, that's the scary thing. You know, uh, you can have a, you can work, have a, you know, live a, a otherwise good life. As I see it, you know, I don't, I'm not struggling. I'm not wanting for nothing. But then 20 years from now, you look up and it's like, ooh, we ain't got no money. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we about to move back and we about to be staying with my mama and some, you know, or move back in the house or, you know, or, or not just just not be able to work. Like I think Byron said, it. You know, you you want to keep working, but you don't want to have to work. And yeah, so that's, that, that's totally different, right? Is, yeah. And, and then my goal is, you know, I think it's similar to yours. Like for me, I see myself probably working for another twenty plus years. Um, my goal is for my wife, um, who's more of a you know 
she's more of a free spirit. She, I think she has more of an entrepreneurial passion. She's an artist, so she wants to do things like that. I want to be able to support her. And so that's also, I think a part of it is, do I see her working another 20 plus years with me? You know, I think we could easily probably get to a better point and both of us are working, but I don't know if that's in our future. You know, I don't know if I, I want my wife to have to work another 20 years so we can get to where we want to be. Um, it might happen. Have, uh, you, have y'all have y'all sat down with somebody and actually thought through your retirement expenses, what you're going to need and then uh, kind of backward backed into that? Because I, yeah. I think that's the that's uh, the issue a lot of people have is they don't know if they're ready because they never actually set a goal of here's what I think I'm going to need. So that they know, are they on track or not? Uh, somewhat. We have sat with a financial advisor and we do come, I guess we we have a financial advisor, but we keep pushing them off. Mm. You know, he'll reach out like, we need to talk about this. Hold on. My AC just broke. You know, it's those things. Yeah. Then we have a 529 plan for our daughter and all those. So we have things set up and it's just kind of like we have to start contributing to those things. And just because I said that I might drop a couple of hundred dollars, my daughter's 529 plan today. And so my thing is hopefully in the next 20 years, I can set myself up and Riza, you know, better than me. And I, from the things I've seen, like just having that traditional 401k and maybe even a couple of stocks may not be enough for us to retire the way we want. We plan on retiring, you know, it's life with the, you know, inflation and everything, you know, and the lives that we want, I think that we want to live. So having those other things, cause, uh, I don't know, Buff, you work for the, you know, for the government. So you, you might, um, do you get a pension and everything? We get a, we get a pension and we got also a, uh, a thrift savings plan, which is kind of pretty much like a four one K. Uh, and then of course you have social security, but I just want to tell everybody do not depend on social security. I also went to one of those classes. We had a social security expert. It'll be there for people our age, but the projected amount, like, you know how you get it in the mail every year or what you're projected to get. You need to try to uh, look at that as maybe 20 or 30% less than the amount that they send you because social security is really jacked up. I know some people overestimate how bad it is and say it won't be there at all. I believe it'll be there, but I, I think it's just best to count that as something extra. So don't depend on Social Security. Make sure you're not touching your 401k. And and if you're allowed to invest in certain things, IRA, stocks, Rosie can tell you better than I can. Make sure you're doing what you can. And it may mean sacrificing uh, a big purchase or two that you want to make now because you don't want to have to depend on your kids. I think that's something that's bad in our generation. That's a whole different subject. But you don't want to depend on your kids. And you really want to try to live as comfortable as you possible because you're working hard now. There's no sense of working hard when you're 60 and your knees are hurting. So definitely try to uh, plan as best you can. Yeah. But but Buff, why 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 can't we depend on our kids? I, I think that's another thing that you know we need to start relooking at as a, a, a culture. It, I mean, you know how many how many cultures where once you retire as a parent. You move back in with your kids and now you're the stay at home babysitter and sometimes the house. But, you know, people are paying for maids to come in, you know, for daycare, for after school care for their kids and everything like that. When they have retired parents that could just be with them taking over those roles, helping out. 
Um, and so well, that's, that's, that of, sounds like the kids depending on the parent. I'm saying as a parent, you don't want to depend on your kid to, uh, you know, help you pay your rent or your mortgage and stuff. Because I, th- I, th- I think that's taken away. That's taken away from generational wealth, and that's something we don't have. Right. So I think you're looking at two different, and I think you you cleared it up. I understand what you're saying, Rod. There's a lot of cultures where, um, part of the the parent called the parent job is to provide for their kids and make sure that their kids are set up with great careers, financially successful. So when the time comes for them to retire, they're able to say, "Hey, I'm the one that help pay pay for school and stuff like that." And now the next role is grandparents, parents move in, become the great, the grandparents, they become the caretakers, they become the the words of wisdom. They're the people that are helping mediate the marriage. And like you said, Rosie, your parents are still living. Now you have these people that have been married for 30 years, living in your house, kind of giving you guidance and stuff like that. Um, and it's a give and take. It's, you know, like, Hey, we don't have to pay, you know, we're about to have two kids in daycare, $2,000 for daycare. You know, mm-hmm. our kids, my grandparents are able to pick up the kids. The parents are able to pick up the kids and stuff like that. So it's a give and take. But it's, I think, Byron, what you're saying is like, well, mama rent, dude. Let me go ahead and pay mama rent. You know, like they don't have it. You know, they mm-hmm. retire. They cash out their 401k to go buy a car, to do all this other stuff, yes. you know, go on vacation. All of a sudden now they're, they've had their chance to live their life and make their financial decisions. And now they become a burden. So it's a one-way street. And I, you know, because a lot of time parents feel like, well, I did all this stuff for you. You owe me. And it's like, hey, I didn't ask to be born. You know, you did what your duty as a parent was. You know, mm-hmm. some parents go above and beyond. Some people do the bare minimum. But at the same time, I'm not here to debate that. It's just because I did all this, you owe me. I don't have to work. You should pay my rent. You should pay bills. You should pay my car. And it's like, mm. Yeah, I definitely don't think you know, that. And, and you've seen that. You, you've <laughs> seen it. You know, like, so that's, you know, like, right, you're definitely like, I've seen cultures where that's, that's the expectation. Your kids are learning the culture. They're learning all those things from our grandparents and our parents. But and maybe that's like it. you know me move be able to move near my kids and be able to help with that. Yeah. And you know, and I guess that's why Tab was like she wants to be by Jasmine, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Pretty much. What about um, you, old great uh, financial one? I mean, yeah. I, <laughs> and you, Fur, you were like, you want to mentor and you want to work. I want to like drive off into the sunset at 60, move to Greece, <laughs> and I ain't doing nothing else. I ain't mentor nobody. I ain't, I mean, if you call me, I'm, I'm there for you, but I literally want to you move to Hawaii. Jerk. I, I want to, I'm selfish. I want to, like, I'm out. All right. <laughs> the thing about it is, like, I hear, like, if you, I've seen studies where, like, people that don't have, like, a full retirement, like there's fulfillment in retirement. They, they, they die quicker. They age quick. So it's like, you go from doing all this. So my thing is like, I don't like, I want to be able to consult, maybe do a big project and I'll for six months. Yeah. He's like, I, you know, I, I want to be, I want to be in Greece and be able to wake up in my morning, get on my laptop for a couple of hours, check my emails. Like, Oh no, that's wrong. Oh. Uh, send, send me the, send me the details when you fix it. What? Bill, Roger, he'll email. be busy. He'll be busy. He'll be busy because he'll be helping out with Jenica Kimberly, you know, making sure that brand stays on top. So he'll be busy. I think he's just saying he doesn't want to be have like designated mentees and 
and no, no, just no, have. No. Like, what I'm saying, I don't, I don't want Jenica Kimberly at all either. But I'm gonna have to. So, like when we talk about Emma on track, I'm so not on track for what I want <laughs> because <laughs> Jenica just threw a like a, a, a big cog in my wheel, like, you know. Oh man. You know, when I was twenty twenty five, I'm like, okay, boom, I'm 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 shoveling money into my four hundred one k. I'm doing everything I can so that when I hit sixty, like I said, I can drive off into the sunset. And then Jennica was like, hey, I want to start a business. And so probably what's going to happen is I'm going to be sixty, and like you say, Byron, I'm going to be helping Jennica Kimberly. I'm going to be running it. And I'm going to be CEO, and I'm not going to be able to walk away. And uh, you know, and I'm. I'm probably because I am going to be so ingrained in it that I'm not going to want to, but that throws a kink into my retirement plan because of that. So I'm, I'm probably not for my plan or what I, what was my plan. I'm not prepared because I don't have that backup plan uh, for being able to walk away. But financially, yes. I mean, because like I said, I've been dumping money into my 401k since I was 21 years old, but I was also a financial planner at 21. So it's, it's kind of hard for me to not practice what I preach, even though a lot of financial planners don't practice what they preach. So I was doing that then kind of, uh, so I'm on track as far as financially being able to retire. Uh, it's just that is everything else set up? Um, are we going to want to stay with the kids so we can't move to Greece? Are we going to want to travel more? So does it even make sense for us to move to Greece or just live with one of the kids, but only be there for four months, five months out of the year anyway, because we're Buy traveling. RV. Buy RV. You know what I mean? So buy an RV or something like that and park it in their park uh, in, in, you know, one of their houses. So figuring out all that, I think is where we're at now, but it, it all started really with, Hey, what do I want at 60? And, and knowing that at 60, like uh, Byron said, I don't want to have to work. If, if I want to walk away at that point, I'm financially stable enough to walk away. Um, and then I can make, I can make the call. So every day, uh, what was a uh, old girl on uh, everybody hates Chris. She was like, my man got two jobs. I don't need this job. Like, I want to be like that. Like I want to be able to go to work at 60, uh, not like June 5th after I turn 19 or once I turn 60, I want to be able to say, I don't need this if I don't want to, like you, you, you look at me wrong. I'm out of here, you know, and I want to be able to be ready to do that. You'd be playing PlayStation 24 in your office. Rise it. I'm not answering. I'm not in right now. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Rise it. You know what? Screw this job. Oh. <laughs> I can do this. Hey, how many, I do, how many? I, it's funny. I did want to be a professional gamer. Um, that's that's my like ultimate retirement plan. I want to retire and actually be a professional gamer. But you at that be, point, I think that, too that, that, that the fingers just, I'm going to be too old, man. But, you know, you can't be like <laughs> ageism. You can't be like, oh, you're too old to play. I mean, <laughs> if I can still hang. I'm going for. You know, I think after thirty, you might be you might be uh old man. Yeah. For the game, I, I, I definitely know I won't make it in Call of Duty though, because I suck in Call of Duty. Any first person shooter, it is just not in it, in the cards for me. I die so much; it's so bad. Uh, would you rather say, Buff? How many bedrooms is this place in Greece gonna have? Because I'm trying to see if I'm gonna need to get a hotel or will I have someone stay. Oh, I'm probably only going to have two bedroom. Like uh, when we talk about, I want to downsize. It's just going to be me and Jenica. Uh, we'll have a guest room for like one person or one family, anybody else. If multiple people come, they just got to get a hotel. Like I'm, uh, when I say I'm not, I don't want anybody to have to depend on me. I don't, my life really has been, I'm, I'm a giver. I'm, I am a person that I try to take care of everybody. That is like one of my biggest downfalls. And so 
I want to be able to walk away and and clear my head and not try to take a not try to take care of people. I don't yeah. know if it's going to be successful or not, but that's that's really ultimately what I want. I mean, same here. You, I don't want to have to, but like I said, I still want to keep busy and keep my mind sharp. Uh, Rise, is I'm gonna it? I'll be like Anthony Bourdain. I mean, when you talk about keep busy, I'm keeping busy. I'm traveling to every country. I want to eat all. I want to eat the scorpions and all that. Like I want to. I want to live life to yeah. the fullest. You know the yeah. stuff that we can't do because I'm going to work every day. Yeah, I get it. Uh, well, you know, my wife, she, she probably won't be too far behind. You know, when we were in France, her and Jenica almost they. I think they were. Uh, hatching a plan to leave us yeah bro I, 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 <laughs> if, if like the stars had a line they may not have came come back like yeah they, bro they, I, 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 they almost left it. i don't was it france or spain or they did they look at both i think it was just france i, I don't think they like spain as much okay yeah bro they were they were ready to leave us in spain if the right dude would have came along we'd have both been single yeah raising kids <laughs> like what? What happened to your eyes? Long story. Actually, it's not even that long. They left. They're in France. They'll be back in about two years. They say. They say, don't look for them. <laughs> don't call us. We'll call you. And, and don't get remarried. Orazio <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Macarella Jr., ladies and gentlemen, he's giving. He's nice until he turns sixty, and then leave him alone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh man! Well, first Buffalo. off, I was just gonna say apologies to the listeners if uh, if I sound a little uh, less clear than I usually do. My computer's acting up, so I'm doing this show on my phone with my Beats uh, wireless headphones. So apologies for that. Razio asked, "Was like, I'll go get some Raycons?" Okay, whatever. <laughs> Razio asked, "Was I uh, eating some chips earlier?" So. No, I'm not, but he may have heard some background noise. The missus is moving around, getting ready for her costume party where she's going to be a damn bunny. We'll talk about that on another episode. Uh, Hi, bunny. It's, it's a sexy bunny. It's a sexy bunny. <laughs> bunny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do women do any other costume other than sexy insert items? <laughs> that's, that's all they do. So anyway, uh, to wrap this show up, man, Good, good financial topics from you two brothers, by the way. Uh, I hope that was helpful to some of the listeners. But I want to talk about how we're in this Me Too uh, world. We're in this mute such and such world. Uh, you know, recently it was mute R. Kelly. And so two years ago, I was very judgmental on people who still listen to R. Kelly, uh, to people who would uh, defend this person or that person. I'm like, you know, how could you still support R. Kelly and you saw what he did or you know what he did? I was very judgmental, but I've evolved on that because when it comes to being a fan of these stars, whether it be an actor, actress, rapper, singer, you really have to pick and choose individually who you are going to separate the art from the artist. And so I came to that, you know, you remember, you guys remember when Straight Outta Company came out and, and the revelations of what Dr. Dre did came out and him being very abusive to Michelle, Michelle and I think some other women. Um, and I still was listening to Dr. Dre. And so I'm like, how can I call out people that's listening to R. Kelly when I when I still bump the chronic? You know, you know, when uh, when nothing but a G thing comes on, I'm turning it up. So I had to step back and, you know, reevaluate myself and say, you know what? It really does come down to individual choice. 
I no longer judge people, but I wanted to ask you brothers, is there an artist or an actor or whatever that you used to love, but then once allegations came out of what they did, you had to stop supporting them? Or did you hear those allegations and say, you know what? I choose to separate what they did from, you know, what they do as an artist. Have you had to uh, face that reality in anybody that you're a fan of? Outside of Juicy Smouye? Yeah, outside of Juicy Smouye, who, who got bleached and lynched in Chicago in the wintertime. Yeah. Oh, man, that's a good question. I got to think. I mean, so we're not talking about R. Kelly. Uh, it could be R. Kelly. It could be R. Kelly. I guess, I guess for me, I mean, and I guess it's the obvious is Bill Cosby because of what I, hell, I guess back to my, I think I've been looking for mentorship for the longest. I looked up to Bill Cosby and what he represented on TV, that black family and that lawyer, that doctor connection. Like I wanted to have the Huxville lifestyle. I wanted the Brownstone in New York, but just not in New York. Um, hell, I went to school to be a doc. Like, I think that's, that was the first time watching that show. It's like, you know, I want to be a doctor when I grow up. Um, just because of that. Um, and then when he created a different world, that HBCU lifestyle that he, he portrayed and brought to the light, I went to FAMU. If I could have went to Hillman, I definitely would have went to Hillman. And so to be such a, a huge part of, what I thought I wanted my life to emulate and to figure out that this guy was out here. I don't even know what to call it. Molesting, raping, drugging, like all the allegations. And it's like, ah, can I, you know, it's hard still not to, it's hard not to like the Cosby show because it helped mold me. You know, it's hard not to like, or respect a different world because it helped guide me to what essentially was one of the best decisions I've ever made by going to FAMU. This guy was a part of it. He saw, he had the the foresight to see that and create that, even though he was, a you know, I guess for the lack of better words, he was a creep. I used to joke with my wife, you know, like, Hey, we want our kids to grow up watching the Cosby because all the stuff crap on TV. Like we want our kids growing and watch a Cosby show. Like it's new versions. Like we're going to, put it on DVD or freaking uh, our DVR and let them watch new episodes every week. Like it's new, you know, because we wanted them to see the Cosby show in the light of what a black family could be. And now it's like, Ooh, do we have, do we continue to support this guy and say, it's okay. I, I, I think it's the, the positivity of what it is. So that, and that's why you have to look at it individually. I agree, Ferg. I, I never canceled the Cosby show or, um, you know, a different world. The rest of Cosby stuff, I can kind of do without. I really don't care if I his comedy specials and, you know, kids say the darndest things and stuff like that. Right I mean, I, you know, I, can, I can cancel that. I, I really don't care about that um, because it wasn't a, it didn't have that positive aspect to it. I think the Cosby show and, and also you're taking one, even though he was the primary, he was a producer and the primary cast member and everything. You got to think about everybody else that put in work on that show that made it what it was. So it wasn't just Cosby with a different world uh, or it really, it was barely Cosby with a yeah. different world. You know, it, it was, what's her name? Felicia Rashad's sister. Um, Debbie Allen. 
Debbie, Debbie Allen. Allen. So it was Debbie Allen who was, who was the executive producer for that. Uh, or she was the producer and Cosby was the executive producer on it. Yeah. So she did all of that uh, with his support. I'm sorry. I'm not going to cancel everything that Bill Cosby ever invested in uh, just because Bill Cosby did some bad stuff. Uh, I, I, I feel like he needs to pay for it. But however that played out or d- is going to play out, he needs to play, pay for that. Um, but at the same time, you look at like R. Kelly the thing about it is I had to cancel R. Kelly, not necessarily because of whether the music was good or bad. It was you had I had to take his ability to continue to do what he was doing away. And the only way to do that was to cancel his music and and take that money away from him. Um, so I, I canceled R. Kelly. And and so but like Byron said, I don't judge anybody who says I'm going to I'm going to continue to to listen to R. Kelly uh, or not. Now, when we talk about Kanye West, we can go in there. You guys know I'm I'm a huge, you know, picketer of Kanye West um, because I feel like the things that he's doing is detrimental to me and my people. And so along those lines, I'm going to cancel him. I'm going to take his platform away. And the only way to do that is to cancel his music. So when when he is no longer a trending producer or he's no longer this hit maker. Um, what's going to happen is he's going to no longer get those interviews. He's no longer going to get that platform to do as much damage as he's doing to my community. So that's why I have to cancel them. So I have to think about why I'm going to cancel them. So Kanye, the thing about him is that we, we I have to look at what's happening um, and the platform and the, the reason why he is getting the platform that he's getting. So I want to start with the first two guys you you two mentioned, which is R. Kelly and Bill Cosby. So for R. Kelly, the reason I, I counsel him is because when you listen to his music and you look at what he's accused of, he's rubbing it in your face. In my opinion, I'm not trying to convince anybody. He's rubbing it in your face when he produces an album, album with an underage Aaliyah called Age Ain't Nothing But A Number. When he said, when he sings songs like Seems Like You're Ready, to me, he's rubbing in your face that, yeah, I smashed underage kids and I've been telling you guys about it for years and you never caught on until you saw the tape. So I couldn't do that. And with Bill Cosby. Hold on, let me, let me stop. And I was going to go there and I didn't want to interrupt Rise, but that's kind of where I wanted to go with. Uh, R. Kelly. R. Kelly. But even let's say he wasn't smart enough to do all that, it's like, what did you, what was your end contribution? You made some good sexual songs. Can we do without that? What was the impact of what you, your body of work did? Like R. Kelly music was great. I was grew up in the nineties, yada, 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 yada. But at the end of the day, they just get music. You really got no value from his body of work. Same thing with Kanye, great artist, great producer, but there's no value you know, his body of work. Bill Cosby actually had kids wanting to do certain things. Black families wanted to be something, you know, showed a different side of the world and, you know, the black yeah. college. The, so, like, if you're not, if your body of work isn't, do we lose from losing their body of work? That's a great point. And yeah. I was going to say with Bill Cosby, I have a personal beef with him. And it's because for one thing, he went on this whole pull your pants up tour and I hate respectability politics. I I hate that passion. And 
you add to the fact, if you talk to a lot of black comedians, he like pretty much, I, I'm not going to say the word, but he, he poo-pooed on them. He reprimanded like he, them a lot. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He did. Uh, so I just feel like if you're out here drugging and raping women and then had the audacity to say, hey, man, you cussing too much on stage. Like, how do you not miss that contradiction yeah, whatsoever? That, that yeah. irony is just. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't even think about I, all that. And even though I have this personal beef, I still will acknowledge, like you said, for the good that he's done. Like he's donated to some great charities. He helped one of my favorite movies get funded. Uh, Spike Lee's now. He's he's done some tremendous things for the black community, and yeah. none of that gets negated. It gets it doesn't get negated to me at all. What he did is terrible, and he's uh, being punished for it. But I I think we are smart enough individuals now to say, hey. If you believe the allegation, that's messed up. He deserves to be punished. But hey, I'm not going to stop watching a positive show. Like he he brought pretty much the first positive show on major network television in the Cosby show. And while I personally, I wasn't a big fan of it. I know y'all going to come for me, the fans, the listeners. Cosby show was kind of lame to me. Not going to lie. It's kind of lame. But I love Different World. And I still acknowledge the, the great things that Cosby show did. A lot of people looked up to that show. We needed a positive black family to see on television every week. And that's what he did, man. So I'm not going to take any of that away from him. Uh, and I just want to say these type of allegations, they extend across color lines against uh, timelines as well. You look at a guy like James Brown, like fans of his, this dude, he, one of his kids recalls a time that he was straddling his mother and like beating her, like on top, like straight beating her, like some UFC ground and pound. Miles Davis, how he used to beat up Cicely Tyson. I mentioned Dr. Dre. I'm a fan of Florida State. Jameis Winston had his allegation. Nate Parker, who did uh, the Tuskegee Airmen and what was it, Red Tails? And he also mm-hmm. did uh, Birth of a Nation. So to me, there is, you. I don't think you can universally just mute every entertainer that has an allegation. Otherwise you're not watching or listening to anything because it's in all genres, it's in all forms of entertainment. And you, you, you actually, because you listed so many people, it just made me think of, it's a, it's a catch 22. Who are we to judge? But we do also need to take a stance. So think about the people in your life that are, they could be part of domestic violence. They're abusers. They do this. They do all these negative things, but you still rock with them. It's um, a lot of these people you said, Byron, I think like with Miles Davis and stuff like that, James Brown, because it wasn't our era, we overlook it. That's just kind of part of their legacy, you know, uh, even. And, and and it wasn't as big of a deal back then either. So that, you know, that's the other part yeah, about it, is true, it, true. It, it was so commonplace that, you know, that's like saying, oh, somebody in the 1800s was racist. Well, yeah, like, <laughs> you know, that, I can't judge yeah. that person for being racist in the 1800s. That's just kind of how life was. <laughs> yeah, true, true. I think it's also, yeah, it's. it's- I still judge races in the 1800s, though. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but I think it, it, it definitely depends on their body of work, because now I'm thinking about people, all these people you name, and if their work really didn't contribute as much. Uh, Nate Parker came out with the movies, all these movies, and it's like, are you supporting him in spite of this? 
you know, if he did this beforehand, I guess, would you be saying like, well, he did put this story on the map. He did have the the want to put some good out before this. Um, I don't know, man. It's it's. But you also have to think about there, there's a difference between allegation and yeah, actually yeah, yeah, proven. Yeah. Like Nate Parker, that there it's, it's an allegation, and they, they, they nobody has been able to prove it. Actually, I think he disproved it. In, 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 in hood terms, she she alleged a, 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 a unconsensual, a non-consensual train was ran on her. Yeah, way. yeah, and then come to find out. Uh, yeah, she consented. She was just about that life. Mm-hmm. She was in college yeah. experimenting. You know, it happens. Air quotes. Yeah. If anybody, you know, have a good time. Equal rights, remember? When you got the right to vote, you got the right to get a train too. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> well, but before you said that point, I was going to say, I'm glad you brought up the difference between allegations and proof because I think a lot of times men get upset with the Me Too movement because they feel like the, the general public, all it takes is for a woman to make an allegation and you're automatically guilty of what she accused you of. And that's definitely not what I'm saying. Like with with R. Kelly, I seen the tape. I saw yes, it. Yes. I seen the tape. You know, I, I, I saw you when Toure asked you, do you like uh, teenage girls? And you said, now, when you say teenage, how old are we talking? I saw that interview, player. Mm-hmm. So your dog on right, I believe you did what you did. And with Bill Cost. You were married to Leah. You know yeah, exactly. Like we, exactly. <laughs> and, and I was gonna say with Bill Cosby, he admitted to giving women quaaludes. So, you know, I'm not I'm not out here just believing every allegation a woman puts out there. Uh I, I try to look at the facts and a lot of times if the man admits to it. Or if it's proven, but just wanted to throw that out there. I'm glad Rossio brought that point up before. Real quick, second point before before we get uh, before we end this because we we've been we've been going. Where do you draw the line? Because like the new Harriet movie, the the main character who is a uh, I think she is a English. She's uh, I think she's from England. Yeah, she's, I want to say she was yeah, she, she's British, but you know she's British and Nigerian. I think. Yeah, yeah, British Nigerian, and so there were some things that came out recently where she had put some less than complimentary uh, tweets out about African-Americans. And so she was getting a lot of heat from that. So there's uh, several people calling for us to boycott the film. One, because why didn't we have a African-American in it for one of the strongest African-American characters, you know, as well as this person who has been linked to having some anti-African-American sentiment. My my thing on that is I really feel like that is a like counter offensive to make a Harriet not successful. Um, I get so tired of trying to pit black people against each other. So, you know, representation, representation does matter, but at some point, like we talked about last uh, episode, black is black. And if she was here in America, nobody would be able to say, oh, you're British, so you're not black. Like, she's going to get treated the exact same way. Uh, And so if she went in, she auditioned, and we have a black person playing this role, as long as we don't have anybody in blackface playing this role, I'm good with it. But what about her comments? What about her downing the 
uh, she, I mean, thing is, I, I read some of those tweets, and she's not down in African American. She was calling out some of the things that uh, a lot of us have said about African Americans. Like, you know, she was making a generalized statement, and it, it may not even even been true. But I don't think it was in a derogatory manner where she's saying all black people, you know, African Americans suck and this, that, and other. I, I, I don't think it was uh, that. Um, so we'll we'll try to find all the tweets and we'll post them for you guys to make a decision yourselves. But uh, I don't I don't think it was that. I th- I really think you know there somebody was trying to find any dirt that they could to make Harriet not successful. And it's the same thing you know with Birth of a Nation. I agree. Y'all going to see it? Yeah, Nay. No. Yeah, I'm probably going to go see it. Okay. Well, we'll talk about it. We'll follow up with the, the tweets and stuff. Well, it's been another great episode, fellas. Let's leave them with something. Anything you guys want to get off your chest? Uh, two quick hits. Uh, I want to give a shout out to the yeah, listeners I, I, in, in, uh, in Sweden, Puerto Rico, the UK, and France. We check the analytics. We see that we have listeners there. I don't know how we have listeners there, but if you're listening, we appreciate it. Thank y'all. And I want to give a shout out to uh, Waikisha and Kristen who completed their first 5K today. Congratulations, ladies. Congrats, ladies. Good job. It's not easy. Um, I just wanted to throw out there, I did that research on um, Chick-fil-A. Uh, Ferg, I want you to apologize for blaspheming against uh, God's place of Eden. Um, they, they, and, and, and the reason why I say that is uh, they, they do support a lot of Republican candidates. And but they they aren't officially like hey we're uh, on the Trump train back in Trump so Chick Fil A is still good with me. All right, well fellas, uh, I'm gonna leave you guys with this. Stay tuned. Thanks to all the listeners, as uh, Buff said. Please tune in uh, for our next show. We're gonna have our first guest, um, somebody that we all know and love and respect dearly. Should we tell them or should we just make it a surprise, people? Sure, we can tell them. Surprises are always good. Okay, well, we'll make a surprise. You got two, you, you got two different answers. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll stay tuned. We have our first guest. Uh, I know you guys will enjoy him. That's a little hint. He's a great guy, a great author, a great friend of ours. So stay tuned. But as usual, I'll leave you guys with this. Six Rules of Podcast. Listen, like, share, subscribe, comment, and most importantly, listen again. Three Brothers No Sense. See you when we see you.